Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that sets up beautifully what I want to say today to you as I teach you uh, how to share your faith. And that's the title of this message. Uh, as early as last night when we got home from North Arkansas, the Lord actually was, was giving me parts of a message at my daughter and son-in-law's home that I'll share with you a couple weeks from now. I want to do a series. I haven't really done a series this year yet, and I want to do a series called Build. And that word has been like rolling and over in my spirit over and over again on building. And the Lord said, you're actually already started this. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And he took me back to November. If you'll remember in November, we started teaching you elementary things, uh, different sermon topics that we've hit, this one being one of them. And what we're doing is we're, we're building something here. We're laying foundation for something that I think is going to be really, really big. Did y'all hear what I said? Really, really big. Uh, God is building something here. And over the last eight weeks or so uh, or more, we have been building things here in the spirit realm. And so God is preparing us for this new series that, that we will start. Uh, last night, God gave me some things uh, that I had never, never heard. I'd never written them down before. Uh, I, thought they were, I thought it was extreme revelation from heaven. And I cannot wait to share it with you a couple weeks from today. Uh, today, we're going to kind of give you some of these elementary principles of, of sharing your faith because I believe this is connected to whatever God is building here uh, at One Community. So we'll get to 1 Corinthians 2 in just a moment. I know for many, the title would scare you because there is an anxiety that comes with uh, this topic of sharing our faith. Christians feel anxious and they feel guilty, but I want to challenge you today because many of you here and many of you watching online have unsaved people in your life. Uh, you have family members, children, spouses, cousins, aunts, uncles, in-laws, uh, outlaws for that matter, <laughs> people you work with. And the purpose of this message today is not to heap guilt upon you but the purpose of this message is to show you that it is not nearly as difficult as one may think. You will find it actually becomes natural to you to share your faith like Luis did with Marco. It is very natural to you. It is almost like breathing. Why? Because God wired you to do this. And you don't even know it. You never tapped into it. So you've never, you've never exercised that gift. So you don't really know that how it works until you actually exercise the gift. You're actually wired for it. If, again, you are a follower of Christ, I'm going to show you things from the Bible, things that you have inherently in your spirit, that when you use them, you will find it is easier and more effective than you could have imagined. This is such an important topic, and here's why. And I alluded to it in my prayer a moment ago. Because where people spend eternity hinges upon much of what you will learn today. There are people in this room that may never know Jesus, and the difference between heaven and hell is in your mouth. There are people that you will touch that I will never touch. 
you will share the gospel with them like Luis did, and that person could be saved and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, but it hinges upon what you do with this message and the information that you're about to hear. Can I hear an amen? So I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're there, say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 1. To me, this is a biblical formula of how to share your faith, and and we're going to kind of break down a lot of this throughout the message and with the points today. Starting here at verse 1, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquent or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So in other words, it wasn't my my ability, it was God's ability through me. There wasn't eloquent speech and, and all of that. It was just the Spirit of God through me. Verse 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In other words, I, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm not necessarily talking about myself to glorify myself, but to glorify Jesus. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. So even the Apostle Paul struggled a little bit as he shared his faith with people because he says here, I came to you in weakness with fear and trembling. So I was a little nervous. I had a little bit of anxiety, and I didn't know how you would receive what I was about to say. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. There it is again. But with the demonstration, if you have a highlighter, highlight that word, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Everybody shout out, demonstration. I would definitely highlight that word, demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. So in other words, the Holy Spirit was the one who was working through me. So that your faith might not rest upon human wisdom. So it's not about my ability, but it's about God's ability. But it says on God's power. Everybody say power. Would you bow your heads and pray with me in the house of the Lord today? Heavenly Father... We ask, Lord, that today that no one would miss eternity morning and that people would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because one day eternity's morning will come for people in this room. And in fact, every one of us will face eternity's morning. Whether it be in the morning or in the noon or at night, all of us will close our eyes in this world one day and we will open our eyes in eternity. And Father, I pray that today none of us or none of those watching online, the hundreds that watch every week, that none of them would miss eternity. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this message, and we thank you for what is about to take place. And all of God's people said one of the last amens of the day. Amen. Tragically, there is a growing trend in the modern church of Christians who don't see the value of leading people to Christ or even the fundamentals of what it it even means to express your faith. Let me give you some statistics. And and the reason I'm sharing these statistics is to make you aware of the problem because if we're not aware of the problem, then we won't seek a solution. Does that make sense? 95%, this is according to the Barna Group, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Jesus Christ. 95% of the Today's church have never one time led somebody to Jesus. That is alarming and staggering. 
alarming in the sense of, oh my gosh, like, like how are we going to get the work done if we're not able to share our faith with other people? 80% of Christians openly admitted they have never witnessed, meaning they've never shared their faith with another human being. 80% of Christians. Less than 20% have never prayed. This, this was alarming to me too because I don't understand it. Less than 20% of Christians have never prayed for the salvation of their unsaved family in the past year. Christians are not even praying for the people they know in their life that are not born again. That is a staggering number. For many of you who know, we're, we're preaching out at Cornerstone at Smackover uh, on Sunday nights. And on Sunday nights for the entire month of January and starting in the month of February, we have a big whiteboard at the front of the building. In the front of the building, you come down and you write down the names of all of the unsaved loved ones in your life. And during the prayer time and fasting, we're fasting. I've been fasting and praying for every person on that whiteboard that they would be saved. And there's literally probably a hundred names, if not more, upon that whiteboard. And we're believing God for their salvation. Next Sunday night, Brother Larry will be there at 615 and we're going to have him pray over every person on that board. Why? We are concerned about people that are lost and do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we're, we have an initiative to pray for those that are lost. Less than 2% of the modern church uh, are, involved, are not involved in any form of ministry or evangelism. Uh, they're not involved uh, at all. 29% of Christians believe it's the responsibility of the local church to lead people to Christ. Almost a third of the body of Christ feel they have no responsibility to lead people to Jesus. And I would say to that, seems to me that even their definition of church needs attention. 64% of Christians believe they do have a responsibility to lead people to Jesus Christ. And you say, well, that's a good statistic. And it is. 64%, it's well over half. But according to the Barna Group, that number is trending down. To me, though, the sad thing is that number should be 100%. 100% of Christians should believe they have a responsibility to share their faith and to share Jesus Christ with another individual. Are you all with me today? 71% of, the mo of modern Christians do not support, this, is, this blew me away, all of these blew me away, 71% of modern Christians do not support any evangelistic organization that are committed to reaching the lost. There is no support, there's no funds, 71% of believers are not doing anything to be active in spreading the gospel, making that happen through finances and other avenues. Three things I want to focus on today. I have three points, and then I have some subpoints at the end. But I want to give you three main points today, and I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. Three points. Number one, why we share our faith. Number two, how we share our faith. And number three, when we share our faith. So why we share our faith, how we share our faith, and number three, when we share our faith. So let's hit number one, why we share our faith. Are, is everybody awake? Everybody say awake. Everybody say wake up. Everybody say wake up flesh. You can take a nap later. I'm in God's house. All right, let's do it. Pay attention, everybody. Let's go. This is important. 
if you are a Christian, you are the local church. You are the local church. Oh, no, it's my pastor. No, no. Again, you need to redefine your definition of the church and pastoral leadership. Pastors equip you to reach people for Jesus. That is our job. Our job is not necessarily as a pastor to reach the loss. Our job is to equip you to reach the loss. Now, is there an element of what I do that reaches the loss? Yes, Sunday mornings through this avenue of this platform, the influence of this platform, the influence of of that online platform. So I do have influence and a part to play in that. But as I step out of this pulpit and I step out of the doors of this church, I'm sharing my faith as a fellow believer, not as a pastor. So I am just like you. When I share my faith, it is not under the the, um, calling or the office of the pastorship that I possess here. I am sharing my faith as a fellow believer that is concerned about lost people going to hell. So I share my faith. Alicia and I have been way more active in sharing our faith. Uh, We're empty nesters now. Praise God. It's wonderful. I'm just telling you it's wonderful. Preach, he said. (laughs) So empty nester means our children are out of the house. So now we spend more time together, and it's been incredible, and I love my wife. And I just tell you, I fall more in love with her every day, and I love her. But we have been having a blast. We, we're we're going to, how what is the word? We're going to uh, just own this, this getting old thing. I mean, we're going to own it. We're going we're gonna to be the most vibrant old people you've ever seen in your life. And uh, anyway, we embarrass our kids, but that's another story. Okay. But we've been more active in sharing our faith. And we, in fact, the other day before the fast, back in December, we were, we were at a drive-through restaurant, and we were waiting in line. And, as, and the girl was having, obviously, a bad day. There, it was a Sunday. You know how it is after church. It's packed. All the restaurants are packed for the most part. Um, and so Alicia pulled up, and you could tell this little girl was having a, a bad day, but she was doing a good job. I believe in rewarding people who are trying. I reward people who try. I don't reward people who don't try. I don't reward people with bad attitudes. I reward people with good attitudes that try hard. And so we pull up, and, and we could tell the girl was having a, a bad day. And, and I was sitting in the passenger seat. Alicia was driving. And Alicia said to her, and it just blessed me to watch my wife share her faith. And she said, sweetie, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And so what we've been doing is, and the girl said yes, and so Alicia said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you today. And I'm going to be believing with you as a fellow believer in Christ. And so she was just able to share. Now, whether the girl was a believer or not, I don't know, but she said she was, and that's all we have to go off of. But we planted a seed, and you're going to see me talk about that more in just a moment. When we go to a restaurant with waitresses and waiters, not always, but as God lays someone on our heart, we will share our faith with them. It's a great opportunity to share your faith and express your faith with someone. And so we're being way more intentional because we believe we're in that time, time of, of season and place where Jesus is coming soon, and it's time to be expressive with our voice, and it's time to lead people to Jesus. Can I hear an Amen. So, I'm sharing my faith as a fellow believer. When we say lost, 
we mean all of those who have never repented of sin and received Jesus Christ and are living according to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus described people like this in the Bible as lost. They are lost if they do not know Christ. This is the reason Jesus left the glory and the splendor of heaven. Listen to Luke 19.10. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. This is the reason we share our faith. I want to unpack 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21, and I won't read it for the sake of time, but I want to give you some key words out of this passage that Paul gives us. He says these words, Christ's love controlled us or Christ's love compels us. Another place there in this passage, he says God has given us the spirit and the ability of reconciliation. And so reconciliation, reconciling people back to God. Then he also uses the word ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. How many of you know our allegiance is not just to this country, but our allegiance is another country, another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. So there's an allegiance that we have as citizens of another kingdom, and the kingdom is called heaven, to share our faith and to take as many people into that kingdom, the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. Can I hear an amen? And so we want and we have that responsibility. I am an ambassador. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Paul passionately reminds us that we will stand before God as Christians. And as Christians, we have to look through the eyes of eternity. I would write that word down too, eternity. Everybody shout it out, eternity. Most of us live for now or today or the next vacation or the next hunting season or the next plans that we have on our calendar. But those of us who follow Christ should have a long view. We should have an eternal view, knowing that one day every one of us will stand before God as what, at what is called the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, that's the very thing that will happen at the judgment seat of Christ. We will stand there as believers and we will stand before a holy God. When I say God, I mean the God of the universe. And we will stand there before God and we will give an account for what we did with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What did you do with my son? Now we're believers, we're saved, we're in heaven but we will still give an account for the souls and the lives that we reached. A few moments ago, eternity hinged so much on a little portion of the service that most people look over and never really nod at it, and that is the offering segment of the service. When we give in that offering plate, every dollar is going to to reach the kingdom, and it's to forward the kingdom of God. You at the judgment seat of Christ on January 28th, 2024, God will see what you gave, and there will be an accountability process of what you did to further the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? So you will stand before God. Every life you come in contact with, were you the person that their eternity hinged upon? It was in your mouth, but you never shared it. It was in your mouth. It was in your possession as a believer, as, a, as an ambassador of the kingdom. And yet you were not a good ambassador of the kingdom. In fact, you were a bad ambassador of the kingdom. And that's why I'm so much on righteousness and living holy and living an authentic life is because people are watching you. People are watching what you do. They're watching how you live. They're watching how you conduct yourself. 
Can I hear an amen? And we will give an account with what we did with our lives. What did we do with the Lord Jesus Christ? There is an old saying, maybe you've heard it. It goes like this, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. An old preacher used to say in every altar service, I used to hear him say, eternity, eternity, where will you spend eternity and what will you do with Jesus? Here's point number two, but before I go to point number two, let me clarify why we share our faith and here's some of the things we unpacked. Why? Number one, Christ's love compels us or controls us. Number two, because God has given us the task of reconciliation. Number three, we are ambassadors. And number four, because of eternity. Here's point number two, how we share our faith. Everybody say how. We share our faith. Sharing our faith requires the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason we have trouble or anxiety is our carnal life, our fleshly life, does not walk in full harmony with God's spiritual plan for our life. And you can see this in Romans 6, 7, and 8. Paul talks about the tug of war in all believers' life, and it's between the spirit and the flesh. Sharing our faith is not carnal, it's spiritual. We are not salesmen selling a product. It is not carnal, it's spiritual. Carnal feelings. Here's carnal feelings. Guilt. Anxiety, shame, embarrassment, timidness. Those are carnal feelings that all of us deal with. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said something very pivotal here. He said, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So when we share our faith, it's called being a witness of what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced. But he said the only way you can go out and be witnesses is when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. And one of the misconceptions in the modern church today, and it's a growing thing that's happening among churches today, is the watering down of the Holy Spirit. And it's the quenching of the Holy Spirit. And the miracles and the signs and the wonders and all of the things that, that, for whatever reason, scares people. And I think the reason it scares people is because of it's, it's not fleshly, it's not carnal, it's spiritual. And we cannot discern these things with the carnal mind. It's through the spiritual avenue of our spirit that we understand spiritual things. Does that make sense? And so we're scared of all of these things and all of the manifestations and signs and wonders. And Paul said here in our text today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that they're demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. And we're scared of all of these things, but every one of these things is about... Put that verse back up there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Put that verse up there. The whole purpose of the demonstration of the Holy Spirit is so you can be witnesses... So the power of the Holy Spirit empowers your life to be a witness and to be bold and to be brave and to be courageous to share your faith. And, and that's what the infilling of the Holy Spirit does is it, it creates that boldness in you to step out of your comfort zone and to do something you probably would not do. It takes the person of the Holy Spirit. Can I, can I hear an amen? Sharing your faith is not a one-person task. Sharing your faith is you and the Holy Spirit as a team empowered to be a witness. 
The greatest gift to the world was salvation. The greatest gift to the church was the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Look at Peter. Y'all remember the Apostle Peter. He was a rugged fisherman, very impulsive and very carnal-minded. In fact, he had a knack for saying the wrong things at the wrong time. Right? In fact, Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times after he told Jesus, I will never deny you. I will die with you before I let them kill you. And when the going got tough, Peter got going. And Peter said, I don't know the man. He didn't say it once. He said it three times. I don't know him. And yet in in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit swept into the room and and they saw like the, the wind and demonstration of the Spirit busted open the doors and flew into that upper room where they were sitting and praying and waiting in unity when the Spirit of the Lord came and they saw cloven tongues of fire rest upon them. It was the Apostle Peter that stood up and shared the message of salvation and 3,000 people were saved that day. What happened between the event where he denied Jesus and Acts chapter 2? Only one event happened and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit inside of him courageously made him bold to stand up in front of thousands of people and share his faith openly. It was the Holy Spirit that gave him the courage that he needed to stand up and to share his faith. Everybody say, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. That was very poor. I'll give you a D. Everybody say this, the Holy Spirit gives you power. Come on, say it again. Power to share your faith. Number three, when we share our faith. Sharing your faith is not surgical, it's spiritual. Sharing your faith is not surgical, it's spiritual. What do I mean by that? It's not you cutting things off of people, it's the Holy Spirit doing it. You're not convicting people of sin. The Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin. It is not your job to condemn people. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict people. He does the convicting. We just do the sharing. Amen. By surgical, I also mean it's a divine appointment. It's not your appointment. Now, that is not to say I don't believe in outreaches to lead people to Christ. I do believe in outreaches that, that reach people and community things and all of that. We believe in that here at OCC. We practice that. We will practice that more in our future. I heard an old pastor say it like this, and I thought it was profound, and I pulled a lot from my past and pastors that God has put in my life over the years, and I gleaned from their wisdom to create this message. But this is one of the things he said, and I thought it was profound, He said there's three things when it comes to evangelism. There's number one, cold evangelism. Number two, warm evangelism. And number three, hot evangelism. Let me break that down and unpack it. Cold would be walking up to someone you do not know and telling them about Jesus. You have absolutely no relationship with them at all, much like what Alicia did at the drive-thru. It's not wrong, but studies show it is the least effective way to lead people to Christ. Warm evangelism is when you have some connection with them, but you don't know them well. This has a higher percentage than cold evangelism. Hot evangelism is when you know them and you have a relationship with them and there's a trust built in that relationship. 
This has the highest success rate because they know your life and they know the changes the gospel of Jesus Christ has made in you and it's piqued their curiosity. Does that make sense? The other thing I want to teach you today is people who don't know Jesus are spiritually blind. They cannot, and I unpacked this last weekend. I, at Cornerstone last Sunday night, I, I preached on how to pray for unsaved loved ones. And unfortunately, the audio didn't get recorded, so it's not on the podcast. It was only for people who attended. That was a little jab. Okay. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I had a little thing in my heart, but I got rid of it. Okay. It's gone. All right. How to pray for your unsaved loved ones. And in that message, I told you that people who do not know Jesus are spiritually blind. It's the reason why you're like, I don't understand why they don't understand. The reason they don't understand, the reason they don't care, the reason they don't want to go to church, the reason they don't want to do and enter into spiritual things is because the God of this world has blinded them. And that's one of the things I love about fasting because it, it turns down the no- volume knob of the world and it turns up the volume knob of your spirit. And so you start saying, the world doesn't have a pull. Uh, not being on social media is one of the best things that you can do. Not being on television, not watching movies and all of those things because you're being inundated with the world. I'm not telling you you're going to hell, but I'm telling you you're being inundated by the God of this world. And in fact, we... we um, we were, after we fast and we turn on television, which I, we don't, we're not crazy TV people per se. We don't have time. But one thing we've noticed after we've fasted is when you turn on the volume knob of the world, even a, a little what the world would call a mild cuss word stings the heck out of you. It's because you've been with God, man. And you don't want to hear worldly stuff. So you hear a cuss word and it's like, oh, my, oh, oh, it hurts you. Why? Because you're connected to the Lord and you're, you're, you're not blinded by the God of this world and the momentum of this world. And so what happens is people are spiritually blind. They don't want to hear the gospel. They want to go out and go to the mud bog and do the latest fad or whatever the season calls for. That's what they're doing. And they're so inundated with the world and they're so caught up in the social media world and posting pictures and all the things that the world does. And I'm not telling you that's wrong or that's sin, but I'm simply saying there is a God of this universe that is blinding us, and it's called principalities and rulers of darkness. The very word darkness refers to blindness. It has blinded our eyes to where we cannot see. Faith is not carnal. Faith is spiritual. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Do we have that? If we do, let's put it up. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They cannot see. Why? They're spiritually blind. The apostle Paul on the road to Damascus was lost as a goose. He was persecuting Christians in the name of God. And the Bible says on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. And the Bible says that scales fell. From his eyes. What happened? What were the scales? The scales were he could not see the light of the gospel. He could not see that this gospel was not just for the Jew, but it was also for the Gentile. 
Only the Holy Spirit can convict people of their sin and convince them of their need for Christ. The best time to share your faith is when the Holy Spirit gives you an open door. Pray the Holy Spirit gives you discernment to know when to sow a seed. One seed statement may lead to an open door. Write this down. Before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. Make sure that you prayed before you give a witness. The Holy Spirit will set up what I call divine appointments. Divine appointments. It happens to me every single week of my life. It has for many, many years. God, why? Because I pray that God would set up appointments for me to sow seeds. You and I cannot open someone's heart to the gospel, but God can always uh, keep, uh, God always has seeds that are part of the process. It's a process. Everybody say process. Rarely is it the first time you share your faith. I want to read 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 9 in your hearing. I planted the seed, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Verse 7, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Is that right? Could we have another verse? The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose and they will each be rewarded according to their own Labor. So this is not like selling something and you get commission if you close the deal. You will get commission for it even if you were part of the process. For we are co-workers. Everybody say co-workers. We're, we're, not, um, we're not against each other. We're not in opposition. We're not in competition. We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's Building, and you keep that word in mind in our, in our new series in two weeks, building. Everybody shout out, building. So Paul is making it clear that other people are involved in the process. Other Christians are sharing the gospel, and you're a part of that process. In a few weeks from today, a few weeks from this coming week, we will be doing here at One Community what we do every single quarter and we've been doing now for over a year, and we will be involved in what is called a commodity distribution where we are handing out food, groceries, to people in our community. And that's going to happen February 14th, 15th, and 16th. On February the 15th is actually when we start handing out groceries. Now, on uh, or actually November, when we did our last food distribution, I made a point because the Holy Spirit told me to, and I strategically went to the front of the line, and I made sure that I talked to every person that came through that line. And we saw hundreds of people come through that line. In fact, we gave out all the food in a matter of a few hours. And I made a strategic point to stand in front of the line. I wanted to make sure that I interacted with every single person that came through that line. And here's what I experienced. There are people in that line that need Jesus. And God showed me that. And as I talked to them, as I talked to them, naturally I'm at a church. So there is a softball pitch. The door is open. They know you're a believer. They know you're here to help them. It opens a door for you to share your faith. I had many people, many people ask me to pray for them. Many people. And I said, okay, let's pray right now. And I prayed for them. And I shared the gospel with them. Now, that was me. In February, you're going to do it. 
you're going to do it. And I want you to be involved at every car that comes through there. You don't have to have some big message planned out or what you're going to say. In fact, I would suggest do not plan what you're going to say. Don't even think about it because you'll get nervous and be full of anxiety. And I know you. I know this church. Y'all get very timid very fast. So we rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You just come and you show up and you just, and listen, one may plant, one may water, but it's God who gives the increase. Your job may just be to say, how are you doing today? Do you know how many people in our church, it blessed me, because this was around Thanksgiving. As the people pulled off, it became contagious like the flu. And people started saying, have a happy Thanksgiving. Bless you. I pray you have good holidays. Whatever. And that little seed, I saw people with disgruntled looks on their faces look like they'd been baptized in lemon juice when they pulled up there. And by the time they left the line, and some of them even had to wait because we had to get their information, by the time they left, they were smiling, they were excited. What is that? That is a seed that is being planted on the inside of people. The kingdom of light is shedding light on darkness. Come on, church. And so in February, I need, we, we have to be involved in community outreach. We have to hit the streets. We have to be involved in the great commission of Jesus Christ because Jesus is coming soon. And it's sooner than you think, church. He is coming in a moment that you think not. And people are lost and undone and they're going to split hell wide open. Because they're not ready to meet Christ. And the difference between heaven and hell is in your mouth. It could be in your smile. It could be in your accountants. It could be in your giving. It could be in your serving. It's all right there at your fingertips. And God is wanting us to get more strategic in how we share the gospel here at One Community Church. Can I hear an amen? I want to close like this and I will go very fast. Pastor D, you come up because that is a mind thing that will help them think they're fixing to close and dismiss. But we're not. But they think we are. So you come. And I'm going to share real quickly seven keys of sharing your faith. Real quickly, it's 12, but I'll do this fast. Number one, share by example. Everybody say share by example. If you're going to be a good soul winner, you need to live a godly life. Not a perfect life, but a godly life. If you leave your church and are not a stable Christian, other people will notice. Also, don't be critical of the church. I know people who have a great gift to evangelize, but they're soured out with the church. My question is, you love to tell people about Jesus, but what are you going to do with them after you get them saved? Because there's a discipleship process that happens. Jesus said, go make disciples, not just get them saved, make disciples of them. Well, the church is the discipling station of where you get discipled. So what good is it if you get them saved, but you don't plug them in and get them discipled? And there are people who have a tremendous heart to share the gospel, but they're critical of the church because they've been heard in church, and there's no discipleship process to that. And then people watch them from afar, and they go, that person talks the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Your life needs to be an example to your witness. Number two, share through prayer. Constantly pray that God will help you be a soul winner. Number three, share your story. You don't have to be a deep theological Bible student or give Bible answers. 
Billy Graham called it the elevator witness. You need to be able to share your testimony before an elevator gets to the next floor and opens its doors. I know people who are great at sharing and have boldness and they're courageous and they don't mind talking to people, but the problem is they won't stop talking. It's like you had them sold, but the more you talked, you talked them out of it. You, what you do is you share your faith and you back up. And, you, and I'm going to show you more in a moment about a response. But you share, you get in, you get out real quickly. And you need to be able to share. Tell your story. Practice telling your story in one minute or less. In one minute or less, you ought to be able to share your story. It happens to Alicia and I all the time. People are like, hey, something different about y'all. And we're able to say, it's Jesus. And we can share our story in one minute or less. That God will give you opportunities to share your faith in more detail later. But maybe right now you're just sowing seed. You're just casting and throwing out seed. It is hard to debate with someone's personal experience. They can argue with your doctrine or your theology, but they cannot argue with your story. Because it's your story and it happened to you. And you knew what that was like. How do I do it, Pastor? Let me tell you, this is how you do it. It can start with, I was an addict. It can start with, I was abused. It can start with, I was the abuser. It can start with, I was in prison. It can start with, I was divorced. It can start with, my child died in an accident. It can start wherever your testimony and your story starts. Wherever your story starts, start right there. And share your faith. Boldly share your faith. And you never know, like a Marco that's sitting here today, what your story will do to impact someone else. I I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus. Started going to one community church and God absolutely, radically changed my life. I went to a freedom group and it just messed me up in a good way and I've never been the same. Number four, I share God's plan. People need to know God loves them and wants to be in their life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to help you and all, the, all of the good things. People legitimately don't know that God has a plan for their life. And Lord, when I'm in the grocery store and there's little young people trying to get their first jobs and trying to figure out life and do I go to college and all the things that our world floods them with and inundates them with. God, use me and use our church to walk up to someone like a young person and say, do you know God has a plan for your life? Do you know God has a plan for your life? You're planning plans, but God has a plan. Many are the plans. That's what the scripture says. We, we make many plans. But it's God who directs our steps. Number six, share the problem. What's the problem? The problem is our sin separates us from a holy God. But Jesus came along to be the bridge between a holy God and unholy people. And our sin separated us. It was the chasm that kept us from God. Number six, share the remedy. The remedy is Christ alone. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Acts 4 says there's no other name under heaven which men should be saved than the name of Jesus. Number seven, share the response. Don't just leave people hanging. What's the response? Be bold and ask people, has there ever been a time in your life that you're absolutely clear that you repented of sin and you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you would like to do that, you heard Luis say that. If you would like to do that, I would like for you to pray with me right now. Learn how to say that with boldness, not judgment, always love. Do you have a clear, distinct memory of repenting of sin and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then lead them as Luis did in that prayer? Let me ask you today in this room, do you have a clear, distinct memory of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can I ask that online? Do you have a clear, distinct memory of asking Jesus Christ into your heart and making Him the Lord and Savior of your life? I would learn, love to share with you, but to do that, I want our congregation here to stand in this room. In this congregation, if you're watching online or you're in this room, we're going to be praying right now because we realize the importance of what's about to happen. We realize that eternity wages on what you do with this decision right now. And so I want to ask you, do you have that memory? Do you remember asking Jesus to come into your life? What do I do, Pastor? Three things. Number one, you have to recognize you're a sinner. Romans 3 says we've all sinned. Every one of us, including me, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You have to recognize I'm a sinner. Number two, you have to repent of sin. You have to confess that sin and say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And God, I confess my sins to you. You don't have to go through the whole list, but just say, God, I give my sins to you. And then number three, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And today we can do that with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you an open invitation. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, those are the three steps. And I would love to pray that prayer with you. I use the word a lot today, be bold and brave. If you're here today and you would like to do that in this room, I want to ask you to step out of your seat and step down to the front of this building, and I would love, love, love to pray with you. If that's you and you're in this room, would you be bold and brave? If there's people here today that are away from God, you've been away from God like a prodigal, and you need to come back to God. All it takes, it could be you stepping out that would cause someone else. Maybe God's dealing with you about walking down here, and you could be the person that steps out that's bold and brave and would cause someone else to walk out because they don't feel like they're the only one. Are you bold and brave enough to walk to the front of a building and pray a prayer with a pastor? Heaven or hell happens right now. What you do with this decision, would there be one? Would there be one? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would there be one? Would there be one? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me online. If you're watching, at the end of this broadcast, there will be an email. I want you to email us and let us know that you've given your life to Jesus. But I want to pray this prayer with you first. Let's pray it all together. The congregation, those of us who have accepted Jesus, are now going to pray a prayer with you, and we would all be honored to do so. So let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I confess my sins to you. I repent of my sins. And then I receive you 
as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that you've come into my life. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And with these words, I am saved in Jesus' name. Come on, would you give those a hand clap of praise? We never know who may be watching. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.